Hi, this is Ross Payne here with Roleplaying Public Radio. This is episode 33, Sightseeing Tours. Gaming in established settings, both official that's, and unofficial. That's what we do. We yes. talk about stuff, and that's topical. Yes. As uh, I'll stop with the announcer voice, because yeah, it creeps you out. Yeah, it's, it, it, it kind of does, and it, I think if you had respect for our listeners, you'd do that. No, I think the viewers like the the. Well, they do like voice. you more than me. Yeah, oh, yeah, I know. It's because I do all the work. I answer all the emails. I uh, post on the forums a lot more. I um, wrote the majority of the primer. I, well, you well, asked me to write <laughs> shit for it. I wrote stuff for it. <laughs> well, just uh, all right. Anyway, speaking mm. of the new world primer, uh, if you notice at the top right of the RPPR site, there is a permanent static page for the new world primer. Well, the new world campaign setting, we will be doing uh, more settings uh, using the ransom model to uh, next up where we'll, we'll eventually have a Goblin Hulk dungeon. Uh, visit Revisit the Goblin Hulk, the giant ship of doom. and yeah. um, Among other things. Yeah. And have it as uh, all kinds of fun stuff. But we're, that's still in the planning stage. We're just not ready to have the ransom. Well, if you want to start donating for it, well, that'd make us happy. Well, if you like the primer, do it. But anyway, uh, check out the uh, uh, the main site. We got a little gallery with the art. We had four talented artists. Very involved. good stuff. Yeah. So um, check that out. Pass along to your friends. We posted it on Ian World and a few other sites. It's gotten a lot of notice. So uh, look for it. You'll find it. It's if there. you're new to the RPP community because of the New World Primer, hello and all that welcome. Is. Yes, welcome to our nightmare. <laughs> no, Tom. This is a community. It's an I know. internet community. I was just quoting. Uh, Alice a... Co- I was quoting Alice Cooper. Oh. I do that when I feel lonely and depressed. Oh, poor Tom. I know. So it helps. It's because you don't do anything. Exactly. Or you don't do enough. So, uh, in other news, we have been playtesting uh, my Gen Con scenarios for Monsters and Other Childers. Two scenarios. of them so far. Yes, and uh, next up we'll be doing Delta Green. I have a Delta Green scenario I'm going to be running twice at Gen Con. And uh, I've actually finalized, I'm going to finalize plans to go to Dragon Con, actually, Labor Day weekend. Ah. So, I'm going to be volunteer with the Arc Dreams people, and uh, so that'll be fun. And you're going to, and I'll be running the same six games, or more or less. I'm, I might run different chapters of monsters yeah. that came I'd out. go but the idea of flying in a plane just fills me with an irrational fear that I can't com- describe really yeah it's I'd rather take an Amtrak huh. I, I didn't figure you for a uh, flyophobia person so. uh, it's more I, I look at that and think wow just all that different ways to tempt fate to strap yourself into an aluminum tube. I've been in the car when you drive, Tom. I'm honestly surprised you would think about that That kind of... You'd have those kind of fears anywhere. Well, when you... Yeah, okay. When you're in the car with me, we're not flying along at 600 miles per hour, 35,000 feet in the air. Tom... Though, if I learned to fly, would you fly with me? No, but I barely drive with you, Tom. Really? <laughs> I get us there a lot quicker. I, no, it's my laziness overrides all other concerns. It's because I don't care, Tom. I can fly. I can drive. I can scuba dive. I don't care. Okay, fine. Then I'll say, and it's also because I don't know if I can just take. How long is the con? Labor Day weekend, Tom. Well, motherfucker, I could probably actually swing that. Yeah, but you don't have uh, uh, sweet, awesome connections with the publishers to get a free hotel. There, see, there you go. I don't. Yeah, there you go. Uh, (laughs) I just like being a jerk, don't I, Tom? Yes, you do. You are adept at that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so. We uh, uh, have that. Um, oh, one other thing, though, before we get to the main topic, I do want to announce um, 
if you notice on our uh, Amazon links that we have on the RPPR website, there's a refer. That's that's so we get a couple of cents every time you buy something on Amazon. It's the item costs the same for you regardless. So you're, it's not like you're paying anything more. But over the last year, we've made ten dollars on that. Man, and that that gets me here, man. I know, right? Just so uh, what I've done with that money is invest in RPPR. You know how I invested, Tom? Tell me how you invested, Ross. I bought a book on Amazon. And not just any book. I bought the gaming book. Oh, my. You you didn't. Yes. You you didn't buy it, did you? I did. I did. And, in fact, you want to see it, Tom? I I want to see this. Show me. Show me, please. It's known. Its it's subtitle is The Ultimate in uh, Transgenre Gaming. That's not transgender. My God. It is in gold leaf C, as you can see here. The World of Cinnabar by one. Holy mother of God. Raven M. Look at that. Kraken. Yeah. Uh, That is more impressive than that bag we talked about in the last episode. uh, Yeah, you know, people like the bag, you know. Well, we we, we touted it up. Yeah, exactly. But nothing we could say could possibly tout this work of genius I'm sorry to use it in Twitter lately, and like somebody's like, oh my God, I can't believe you could buy a messenger bag for under $100 that had all these stuff in it. Why are we talking about the bag when we have Cinnabar in front of us? I know. It's over. It's like... um, Nearly 475 pages, oh, 476, 477, I'm sorry. It, it's just ridiculous. Raven McCracken, the author, uh, he is just, this photo is uh, leaves me speechless. I mean, he's in there with the 80s hair and the early 90s hair and the mustache and the, the chain mail. This is his photo, by the way, with a sword. Uh, that, most of the man, con- that man has gotten laid. <laughs> oh, man. He's been in a rock band. Who cares? He wrote this. Exactly. Most of the concepts in the world of Cinnabar come from Raven's real-life experiences, trying to make the gaming rules logical and as believable as possible. He has worn armor, fought with weapons, dodged arrows, rode horses, participated in live gaming, run races, acted, performed magic tricks, jumped off diving boards, (laughs) flown airplanes, (laughs) fought in life-and-death situations, and fired guns, all of which makes the world of Cinnabar ring with authenticity. Now... Uh Um, now much has been said so much has been said about this game that i'm not going to go into and it's too big to tackle in any one we could do a series you're holding the king james bible here essentially the the holy grail Mm -hmm. really it is it 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 is beyond all things uh, with 80s glamour on it yeah non-class adventurers who may choose from hundreds of skills cybernetics and uh mutations such as a human archaeologist who can wield magic lift two tons and then pinch play lead guitar in a rock band you can do this in That's Cinnabar. actually a, that's a selling point printed on the book. It is, on the back cover. And I like how on the back cover, the top right corner, there's like a, like, most of the book, it looks like old archaeological, like a, the wall of an ancient temple or something, but then there's this crack, see? Like, it's pulled, if you peel, pull behind Mind, it. Look at that. There's a circuit board. So it's layers upon layers, literally. Layers upon layers upon layers. That guy's penis must be huge. So the world of Cinnabar is like the most amazing thing ever. Every just a random page. Uh, there's a picture of an armadillo. Uh, there's mutant baboons, psionic baboons. I believe I saw a uh, killer dolphin in there. There's there's dolphins, common and dolphin, comma killer. There's there's two species. You see, it recognizes the difference. And this isn't someone who kills dolphins. No, yeah. no. This yeah. is do- this is dolphin, comma killer. So. Um, like I said, I can't do justice to Cinnabar in one podcast. I mean, in just one thing. And we're, we have a big, we have a big show to do. We have, we've got a big show. To do. Look at it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what I've done instead is for each episode until we actually run Cinnabar, 
I will run this game as I as I, I vow to as all he's threatened the elder all, gods, as he's threatened, to the worldship Cinnabar. And as he's threatened all and of And to us. the three continents, the dark continent, the forbidden continent, and the enchanted continent. Those are the three continents. Yeah, on the world ship of Cinnabar. Yes, which used to be Mars. Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> it's surrounded by a werestorm, Tom. So, anyway, um, I made a character, and I used the traditional method. And just so you know, I'm not going to read all the derived stats. I'm just going to read you the highlights because, you know, it's a lot to take in. Uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's insane. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's like... It's so, like, the basic character uh, thing is for attributes, you just roll... 70, 20, and drop anything that's lower than an 8. And then you re-roll those until they're above an 8. So they're 9 or higher. And then out of those, you drop the two lowest and keep rolling until you roll higher. And that's how you get your six highest attributes. And then you roll 3d20, and that'll list the three classes you can be. And But you re-roll if you don't meet the attribute requirements. Like you need a 19, a 19, and an 18. To be the race of ninja? Yeah, the class of ninja. They're actually, they're, you misread it, Tom. There's no race of ninjas. They're just a class. But you can be a gnome who is a gnome in race and class. There's a gnome guild, Tom. Is there, are there monsters in the school? Yes. There are monsters all over the fucking well, place. Fucking A. So anyway, I rolled a mutant. After rolling, okay, here's a, I actually didn't pick a name, so I'm just going to call him Grignor because that that's. Wow, that's original. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyways, Grignor is a mutant. He is level one. He is human, male. You had to roll for gender. Uh, he is left-handed, actually, not right-handed. Uh, let's see here. He has a below-average appearance, uh, red hair, gray eyes, and he's Indian. Um, <laughs> okay. There's a D6 for ethnicity, and so you uh, he's Indian. Um, he has 680 life points, which are like hit points, but more extreme. Uh, totally extreme. Uh, his attributes uh, are... 18 Constitution, 26 Strength, 23 Agility, 18 Dexterity, 11 Intelligence, 15 Wisdom, and 26 Ego. I'm not going to go into all the derived stats like attacks per turn, uh, advantage bonus, shoot bonus, intelligence, beam attack dodge. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 46%, by the way. Um, His surprises for, like, Class AA to Class C. But uh, I'll just read you a few things. He got $5,000. He doesn't have very much money. Um, on the world ship. He has all the standard skills of the Adventurer Guild, but the mutants, all mutants get certain skills. So uh, the skills that he got are bartering, dancing, singing, and anthropology, comma, exterior. So that's what the mutants get in Cinnabar. All mutants dance. And sing. They're a triple threat. Hey! <laughs> I'm going to puke. <laughs> but the, the best part is you roll for your mutations. Because you're a mutant. Well, why don't you It's just... the Palladium School of Powers. Just go ahead and tell me then. All right. The first power I rolled, and this is no lie, is epilepsy. <laughs> this is radio, so you can't see it, but my, <laughs> my eyes have slowly glazed over. Uh, his second mutation is plus five to agility. So it's just a plus five to his agility. Well, when he's jerking around from the epilepsy, I'm sure he's very agile. <laughs> um, then he has lesser. Then he rolled lesser psionics generator, which just gives him a whole bunch of other psionic powers. Um, and those psionic powers are uh, psionic spray, <laughs> a great name, right? Yeah. Uh, detect danger, hypnosis, disintegration beam, psionics disruption, and then his final mutant power is mass molecule telekinetic. And you know what that does, Tom? Why don't you tell me? It lets him rearrange molecules in whatever order he wants. So he could turn lead into gold. He could bend glass. 
and a whole lot of other shit. So technically, I guess it's kind of an I, I he could turn everything into gold and then just be rich and retire on that. But you know that that's not as fun as killing killer dolphins and Batman. There's a species of Batman and killer armadillos. <laughs> well, I don't know about the killer armadillos. I just assume so. There's talking raccoons. I I, I with bazookas. Yes. So he can bench. He can carry 900 pounds too, with his 26 strength. Good for you. So that's the first sample of the world of Cinnabar. Wow. It makes my butt pucker just thinking about it <laughs> so uh we'll we'll be having more over the podcast and eventually i'll just tom will get so it, it, obsessed with it i mean i'm sure he's just so intrigued by it that sooner or later he'll want to play i've actually spaced out and kind of forgotten the last few moments so. you'll remember tom in no. your dreams in your nightmares yeah welcome to your nightmare exactly the nightmare that is cinnabar thank you alice full cir- circle so um yeah so let's go back to the main thing we were talking about, or that we should be talking about, which is established settings. So yeah, and this is like this thing brings up a whole other group of problems you often don't run into with regular with just. Well, let's first. Well, I'll get well. Okay. What is an established setting, Tom? Well, Ross, I'm not gonna you do that voice. I'm sorry, that's just not me. Yes, <laughs> uh, it's something. It's something that it could be anything from a public, like a published setting book, like. Forgotten Realms, right, or something based on another medium, right? You know, like Media. shut up, God <laughs> damn it, every freaking time. <laughs> I'm very pedantic. Yeah, you are. No, but uh, like Star Wars or Lord of the Rings, right. So anything in an established setting, basically, right. and ex- something that exists outside of games that isn't a yeah. game only thing. So exactly, uh, we yeah, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, yeah. I, most Forgotten of my, Realms, I think counts as established. Yeah, setting. it does. But yeah. most of like when we run D anD D, usually it's just generic world you make up, right? Uh, and also keep in mind this also doesn't. Like, Star Wars has game books, you know, RPG mm-hmm. books. There's also, you could say, let's run a game using this, like Resident Evil. Okay, well, then that's an established setting, mm-hmm. you know. You need to apply a system and right. everything else to it, but. So, yeah, the, so established settings, all that stuff, exi- you know, we all we always talk about stealing liberally from uh, your source. Yeah. This what, is where you often do it literally. Yeah, exactly. And this is where the term pedantic can often come up. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the first thing is. I think the biggest key to doing this is making sure that you know at least as much or more than your players when you're running. Or at least your most knowledgeable player. Right. Uh, or I guess you can get by if your players don't care about it. But, like, you know, but, yeah, if you have a rules lawyer and... And he, is pedantic. Yeah. Will, that's another time I use that word. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, like, the example would be, like, Lord of the Rings. You, you know, you come to this river and, okay... It's like, it, um, excuse... I, I can't do Cody's, you know, nerd voice, but, like, excuse me, the river does not flow that way. Yeah, it flows this way and it'll take me to uh, my little... The, the city that I need to go to and they'll be helpful because I'm this t- race and I know this language. And so, blah, 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 blah. And you, ignoring everything you had prepared because mm. they're they're... Their knowledge of the canon uh, overrides your knowledge of the game. Or, Which, of course, then runs, and then if you go start going away from canon, they're going to call you out on that. Right. So, that I guess that's the first rule of running any established setting, is making sure that you're not going to have those those kind of problems. or like. Which is also a matter of maturity for the right. group, too. So, like, if you're doing Star Trek, don't do it with a hardcore Trekkie who turned his living room into the command bridge. Because like, well, first of all, you shouldn't be hanging out with that guy. For, but <laughs> yeah. second of all, you can bet he's going to know every episode of every spinoff series. Yeah, 
I'm sorry, Captain Pike wouldn't do that, sir. He uh, commanded this ship from this area, and blah, 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 blah. Because there's a, there's a good chance that you're going to stab something into him by the end of the night. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, it's bad enough dealing with the, the annoying Boba Fett versus, you know, Indiana Jones arguments you you hear at the local comic book shop. But actually Worst having to put it up. ever. Yeah, if you have to actually put it up in D20 stats, it's just like, no. You, you, yeah, it's that that is just, that is something you do not want to deal with unless you have the, a Herculean willpower. Yeah. So, what do you, I actually haven't run that many games. In I've run quite a few, and we played. I think you've played in more than you actually have run. I think that's true. Like, I think remember one game we definitely both played together was that Star Wars game that Matt ran. Yeah. Yeah. And really, yeah, I think he he did he did it one particular way, which is. He, like, we barely met any canon characters. I think Mon Mothma was the only one. Right, and who cares? About and it was, Mon and, and th- yeah, that she's not, she's not a uh, Jamie Sue character. Um, Mary Sue. Mary Sue. I'm sorry, I'm thinking of the gun from the Bloodlines video game. What? The sniper rifle's called Jamie Sue. Uh, okay. Vampire Bloodlines. Yeah, I know that. I don't remember my, the, uh, the the name. You see, of... I know more about that than you do. Yeah, I know. So if you're running a game, you Based run on... a game. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah, the Mary Sue character, she's just a politician. Right. Well, it's not even really a Mary Sue character. I mean, Mon Mothma didn't save her asses and beat up That's Darth. what I mean. Yeah. She's, she's, can, she's canon, but not really that important. Right. So I guess the first thing is, like, uh, the main two options you have with an established setting is, one, are you going to use it as a set dressing, which is basically the background, kind of like, we're doing it Star Wars, but it's just going to be kind of a space game or whatever, or... Uh, or you're actually going to do like the guided tour where like we start you, on Coruscant, yeah, and, uh, interact with the canon. You know, like if you're doing a Firefly game, that would be like on the Firefly or the Serenity. What's the ship? Is the ship the Firefly? The Serenity. The Serenity. It's a Firefly class. See, I'm Firefly cor- class ship. The Serenity fans would be like, "Oh my god, he is not one of us! How dare he!" Oh, if Aaron, him. if Aaron were here, oh, yeah, you'd be schooled. I know, totally. I wouldn't care. No, and you wouldn't. Either. <laughs> you, you'd you'd have a bemused expression on your face. Uh, yes, Aaron. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, that's the first choice you have to make. And the set dressing, it's going to be a lot easier on you because yeah. these, these questions about canon and authenticity and all this other crap isn't and, not going to come up as and much. And for most, for most established settings, it's easy to do. You know, like the world isn't described in such graphic detail that every hamlet and forest is covered. But on the other hand, after a certain point, you have to ask, well, what's the point of doing a game if you're not going to use? Well, this event, yeah, I think eventually you need to you need to see start seeing some stuff people recognize, right? You know, in the case of Star Wars, you could just do like an Imperial Star Destroyer is orbiting the planet for some reason. Well, I was thinking more like people aren't going to necessarily not just want the Star Destroyers; they're going to want to interact with the main character. Well, I mean, but start with that, yeah. And you know, as, I think as you work up with levels, because if you, I mean, if you rush out and throw Darth Vader right into the first session of the game. Well, first of all, all your players will be dead. <laughs> Not you could actually. I could see. I could use Darth Vader in the first. Yeah. Well, the thing is, you're a, a mature GM <laughs> that also understands that a game isn't all about combat, right? Or all the or the or the major players being so much more powerful than everyone. No, else. you see what I would do. I would have everybody a stormtrooper listening to a speech by Darth Vader. Kill the Rebel Alliance, or you shall die. Or, you know, some crap. Well, like the players like, well, what's he talking? About? Oh, you know, the regular kill the rebels. Thing. Yeah, like, exactly. Did you catch the game last night? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, so that that that's sort of the first thing. You know, how how interacting, how close are you going to be to the canon? And all that other stuff. And then, of course, the, the, the second big problem is the NPCs, like mm-hmm. the, the big canon NPCs. And that's a, it can be incredibly rewarding, and it's also a 
goddamn minefield of problems. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, I'm sure you have a lot more experience with this. Yeah. Um, well, I'll mention uh, the few Star Wars games I've played in, I've actually played in. I haven't experienced it too badly, but I've, I have heard that of several games where it is just going to going to all the different major players of the canon and thoroughly getting schooled or their asses kicked by them. Right. Again, this is the Mary Sue problem, mm-hmm. which is obviously not um, limited to established settings, but it's obviously a very common problem. In fact, Mary Sue came from fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, did, did I tell you the history of that? Yeah, the, you told me yeah. that. Yeah. Have I mentioned it on the show? I can't remember. But uh, basically, long story short... Uh, back in the 60s when fan fiction first started up with Star Trek, uh, fan fiction newsletter, someone wrote a fan fiction story about, uh, and this woman named Mary Sue wrote about a new Starfleet cadet um, named Mary Sue who would come in, seduce Kirk, outlogic Spock, save the day again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, oh, give me a break. And then it started happening in other stories and people started calling them, oh, that's another Mary Sue. Right. And any every overpowered NPC in a game that does these things you're talking about is a Mary Sue. So. Yeah. And it's not just a Mary Sue. Also, if you do, like, especially if it's something from a movie where mm-hmm. people have, an actor has played the role. Yeah. So a lot of your players aren't going to believe it if you just use your own, your own voice to speak as them. Yeah. They're going to expect a little inflection. James Earl Jones. Yeah, or, okay. you, yeah, I, I, yeah, you can't do, or, yeah. God help, actually, God help, God help this poor damn game master. Ugh. He actually had something, j- something dark side. No, yeah. no, no! It was the Gungans. What? One thing that doesn't help the game at all, anyway. Well, but the thing Misa, is, Misa crime against God. Misa, be put out of my misery now. Yeah. Well, the problem was that we were we were trying to negotiate it with them, you know, for some reason, and so he not only had to play one. Yeah. He had to play a whole table full of them at a at a negotiation. And you could just and the thing is half most of the group was actually expecting this level of commitment from the GM. So he is over there a vein slowly pulsing in his forehead. Did they want the voices? Yes, they do, uh, in fact Who the hell are these people? A group I I gamed with at Ozark Technical College. Tom, no gaming is better than bad gaming. That's bad gaming. That is that's a- like, no, I fell down the stairs. That's where my black eye came from, gaming. I mean, that's like really, that's like... I I am opening up, though. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I think I've actually mentioned this group once or twice I before. think you have, but I mean... I, 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 I was with him for a I was I with feel him for bad for, you, for being a dick earlier. Man, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no. Uh, any time he did an alien in this, an alien race in this game, they wanted him to sound like it if it was mentioned, so... In a Trandoshan, he actually had to do a growly, hissy kind of voice. If he was doing a Twi'lek, they actually expected him to know some Twi'lek words from the like from Return of the Jedi. God help him if he tries to do uh, Klingon, <laughs> like a Star Trek game. Like. Oh, jeez. But you know, there's there's that. But obviously, don't go that far, or you truly are just a loser. Mm. Seriously. But they are going to want. To at least somewhat believe they're actually talking to this big major character. Yeah, they're you know, they're they're going to want to know that. So you do have to do that. You mm-hmm. can't just like okay. And then Admiral Akbar says you must go on this mission. Here is the plans I have made. Also, there's a possibility that there might be a device in which could harm you because of its potential hiddenness and lethality. In other words, 
It could be possibly. Uh, what what what's the term? Like uh, it's like underling. Tell me that. Um, trap, it, sir. Yes, thank yes, you. Yes, it you. could be a trap. No, that doesn't sound right at all. No, it's a trap. But you don't. Yeah. You well, know, actually, well, Admiral, Admiral Ackbar, you don't have. There's not too much you have to do, but you do have to say it's a trap at some point. See, if I was doing a Star Wars game, I'd at least put the Emperor in because again, it's like something, something dark side. <laughs> yes, ah, soon to my plans. Because I can actually do that voice. I guess. I think. Yeah. I don't know. You tell me. Is that the good voice? Uh, Is it good for gaming? It's good for gaming. However, if this not don't apply but, for but if this, but voice if, acting. Joke. Yeah, but if this scene's gonna go on for like. 20 minutes, you might try, excuse me, I have to take a break to drink something. (laughs) The dark side has corrupted my voice. I need some fruit juice to moisten my throat. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I actually, uh, that that would suck. Um, So, I guess the problem is... But the thing is, I guess, guess, you know, long story, much longer now, is you have to give it some respect. Hmm. You know, a major major player, you have to give some respect, but... Then again, you also don't have to uh, give them all the respect in the in everywhere. Well, I think the thing is, when is an NPC a canon NPC, and we mean like an a real character in the game in the in the setting, you know, Drizzt or Luke Skywalker or Darth Vader or whoever? When does he help the game, and when does he hurt the game? You've mentioned how he hurts the game, you know, the Gungans. Yeah, he can't help the game. Like, like when? Okay, okay, I, okay. Here's a game I was in right. where. Uh, Darth Vader actually did show up. It didn't. It did not happen right away. I believe we started at level one. Yeah, we were at, up to level eight. So we have a good a good amount of you know gaming of playing. We got we got, our characters have reputations. We're all, of course with the Rebel Alliance. Of course, that's just how this game was. This was rolling. That's how it rolls. Yeah, and we were sent actually after after accomplishing you know several missions of importance, but encountering no one really huge. Right. We were sent on another one that they didn't think anyone else could do, or like all their super elite teams were out on other more important missions. But this thing had to be taken care of, and we were sent. Okay. And Darth Vader happened to be t- like doing an inspection of the place while we were there. Oh, okay. And the thing was, we didn't have to encounter, have to you know, have to take him on. Right, right, right. We could have just you know, like, you know, but it was appropriate because we arrived there. We're like, holy shit, Darth Vader's here. Okay. And. It was like big, like holy, like we have, like oh man, we have got to, keep, we have got to be on our toes here, <laughs> because it's, yeah, the power then is effective because, it, like okay, we have to change our whole stratagem here, right? We can't go in guns blazing, right? Um, and something like that, like say if you have like a combat nuts group, mm-hmm. throwing someone in they couldn't hope possibly hope to defeat, might make them have to seek a different way to do it. Well, that's a problem though. Is it- you know, we mentioned before how boss NPCs have really bad luck when it comes to players. I mean, what's the the, the trouble is, you know, with Darth Vader, what if you have crazy NPCs who are like, oh, I'll, I'll just shoot aim shot to the head with my ultra heavy blaster. Oh, Well, the thing with Darth Vader, there's also force abilities to sense and attack and things yeah. like that. Yeah, but uh, I mean, what I'm saying is that that sounds really cool. So did you just avoid him, basically? Yes, we, okay. uh, well... Actually, he did find us during the mission. Yeah, and we did the appropriate thing when a investigator in Call of Cthulhu runs into Hester. Okay, we Haster. hauled ass. <laughs> we hauled ass out of there, but we, it wasn't you know the like Dad, run. We you know we did the logical thing. We threw down countermeasures in our path, fired shots at him that he effortlessly right. deflected. But it was you know a, it was a firing shooting retreat. I see. And we barely got out. We did accomplish our mission. 
and we you know and it felt so much sweeter because we did it in spite of the fact that Darth Vader was there. Okay. Okay. I can so, see that. And you know when you get when you get back you you know you you know you like you know, you bragging rights like dude Vader was there we still did the mission. Okay. I can see that. Uh, so yeah that 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 sort of and. And, and if you want to actually defeat one and fight one, mm-hmm. that's like, you know, especially like in Star Wars with Darth Vader, when you get close to ending the uh, like a full-blown level 1 to level 19 or 20 campaign, that's a good final thing to do. Okay. So, yeah, that, that sound, uh, sounds like an v- incredibly rewarding game because of... Yeah, it was. Like, you're actually, you know, facing this iconic villain and you actually pulled it off and you sit, you know... It, well, like the first time we were just... We were... we It's one of... We talked for hours just... Like, dude, we survived that, <laughs> and we encountered we encountered other characters. Like, we never encountered the Emperor directly because right. the GM wisely said that's not likely to ever happen. Right. But we encountered, you know, some other like Boba Fett, and it works. It's it's great when they're not just thrown in all the time. But when you do encounter it, you remember it more. Okay. Because it means more. So you only need one. You don't you don't need many. Just one or two at a time or something no. like that. No, actually, a great time for many. Right. Like is like a. Especially if they're a like, alliance, right, 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 and, and you're at a big meeting. Like, if you're actually at that briefing for the fight battle to Endor, mm-hmm. that you do feel like, wow, we're in the middle of this shit. Okay, yeah, recreating the battle of Endor. Yeah, that could be uh, a very rewarding game. So, can it's good. Canon can be used when it's you know, used to enhance the game and not just to, and not just to throw impossible shit at your players. Well, I think the th- sort of the key that made it so rewarding was that everyone stayed on script. And I'm not saying that they railroaded or anything like that, but like it would have been terrible. It would have sucked if somebody like said, "Oh no, I'm just I just did the typical gamer logic thing and, and attacked said, him." Well, or like I know, I'll use all my thermal detonators and set up a trap that he can't possibly detect and you know or load rig his shuttle with it, wait till he, you know, steps in and then detonate it. Yeah, well, one thing one thing that kept that we, well, first of all, yeah, our this whole group we were knowledgeable. We knew all about Star Wars. Yeah, and we liked it enough to actually show it a little respect. Okay, you know, if if you just have people that just kind of not even a lot, but just a little respect Star Wars. Yeah, they're gonna go with they're gonna gonna try and go along with it. Right. But and but the I, the GM said that they should, that uh, he was ready for that. Oh really. That, uh, fine, all right, well, first you have to identify Vader's shuttle out of one of hundreds that are docked here. Right. Then you have to, you know, get on board, sneak past security, plant the charges. Right. Get out without being seen and have Vader not sense that something's going on. Uh, uh, yeah. Or, and at the, at the end, the biggest one he said was, we're also under orders. <laughs> yeah, but again, these are players. Well, yeah, if, if they're also, and also if they were playing smugglers, then yeah. he said he would just go with the utter impossibility of actually probably pulling that off without being totally undetected yeah so you know there's the uh he made he made all the dangers of every plan known that sounds like he had a good group in a good game oh yeah good group good gm yeah and we worked well together which i can say that can make all the difference in the world Mm. um so yeah that that sounds like a sounds like a great experience sounds like the right way to use them and just like i guess with the right touch it requires being a more experienced, a more uh, confident GM, I think. Mm-hmm. If you're not doing this right out the gate, I mean, once you know your players and you know what they can handle and if they'll respect the setting, like yeah. You. And I've even I've even had a few games I've heard of I never played in, but where they have thrown a major player right into the mix the very first time, hmm. 
But it was to overwhelm, just to completely overwhelm them with a sense of danger to get them moving. Right, right. Not, not to just you know, boop, okay, hey, look, 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 you got to fight now. Start, you know, Darth yeah. Vader. Huh? Huh? Again, that's one of those more advanced things where it, if it's done right, it, it works well. But if it's not done right, it, it just the game's oh, ruined. Oh, it's it. it's yeah. done. It's that game's like, done. There's one setting. There's one intro for a game I want to do at some point, where it's like, all right, you're falling. What do you do? You know? Yeah. <laughs> Just started in D and D games, something like that. You're falling. What? I'm falling. What the fuck? You know? Either they're like, all right, let's do this shit, or like, I give up. I don't care. You know? But, I have actually. I don't. I haven't. I've only encountered a player like that one time, thankfully. Yeah. They're just like, just give up. Yeah. So. um one of the other things, of course, is obviously creating the game, creating the universe, and everything else like that. It's easier when you have the, the established games, uh, you know, like Star Wars, which has all that shit written its down. It's own system. Everything's yeah. statted out. Uh, but you mentioned that you run games in settings that don't have official game books. Yes, like Guardians I have. Of Transformers. And, uh, so well, let, me, let, let me ask you, like, what when you're adapting the, the, the mm-hmm. this work to the the, the t- table, basically, Yeah. Wh- how, what is authentic? How, what is your sort of... Uh, modus operandi you know you, know, you what, what what when you what do you think is the authentic thing that you try and carry forth from the the, the setting into the game i mean woody is like okay this is the the core of this setting this is what the players want this is what i want to do and translate that into d20 stats go yeah uh, well the first thing yeah i mean the first thing i do is i thoroughly watch the crap out of what i'm running the game on and then from there, I just kind of decide what system would work best for this. Some systems are more set for other things, you know, for certain games. Um, like, D20... D20 is kind of good for just, a, like, an over, like a, overall... Especially D20 Modern. For something that doesn't have a whole lot of magic. Like, say if... Say I was going to run a, like, the modern-day League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. It's got some rules for magic and shit, but not heavy... So you could just run like a John McClane and Rambo and all Harry, that. Uh, Harry Potteru. Harry Potteru. Yes. But uh, if it requires a little, if there's gonna be a lot more detail involved. Also, for, I also I want I know my group. I'm gonna know. I want to know if they just think it's gonna be cool to play in that system, or if they're really wanting to get into the universe. I I define that as either as like like we are, we we are either going to play in the universe or screw with the universe. And I was involved in a game based in Harry Potter to screw with it, <laughs> which we made totally original characters, and we made it our personal goal to, you know, to be jackasses to everything. Me aunties setting. Yes. The, let's let's go to this place so we can vandalize it. Well, let's just say we were doing things like going around to like you know the house with well, what Draco Malfoy I think is his nemesis. I have never. Read I'm, a book. I think that's I it. And we just go around like, the full like Drake, uh, our line was Draco Malfoy. It's time for your weekly beating. <laughs> okay. We did it for that, but like in the case of my Gargoyles game, yeah. First of all, we all really love Gargoyles. We love the cartoon. So when that fateful day in the car, I believe it was in the uh, drive-through. <laughs> Where you mentioned, oh hey, you know there, uh, that White Wolf actually has a uh, there's a setting for it for gargoyles. Or really, yeah, I looked it up that night <laughs> and looked at it. Decided, okay, I'm gonna go with White Wolf. That's right. There was a fan. There's a fan adaptation. It was a fan it. adaptation. Yeah. But I, a... I took the, I took their ideas mm-hmm. and threw in a lot of my own. And by the time it was finally done, we had a game that's lasted for four and a half years. Awesome. And 
for that one, I felt White Wolf is better because there's all kinds of just of weird magic, you know, fey. I threw in demons and angels. But I, I, I always check with my group before I, I, I try to get as much done as I can can before. And I go, okay, now what other stuff? I have a list of stuff here that I was thinking of throwing in. And do you have anything you'd like to see in there? And we, we the first, you know, the first time we talk, we just go through a Q and A session of what we want to see, what we don't want to see, right, right, what right. we like from the series, what we don't. It evolves from there. So, and what they ended that gargoyles with that got into is I mixed the gargoyles universe with a little bit of world of darkness, like ninety percent gargoyles, ten percent world of darkness, and you know, basically, it's essentially just including vampires, <laughs> because you know they both can only operate at night. It seemed to, it seemed to fit. Right, right. But I chose not to do does Wraith. Does White Wolf have vampire rules? It does. <laughs> See, I it made really a joke. Does. I made a joke. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's what I did with that, and that's how that whole thing got to work. Nice. And once again, we all respect the, the, you know, the, we respect the source material enough to stay on the same page and avoid unnecessary jackassery. Right, right. So you also mentioned Transformers. Yeah, yeah this was actually a request... I hate to admit it, I kind of enjoy the new animated series they did. I don't Teach his own, watch I know. it. Yeah. I, it's a little light. Oh, the first se- uh, season. I grown-up shows. Thank yeah. you very much. Like Law and Order. Yeah, I know. Law and Order. <laughs> yes. But, the, yeah, the first uh, season was a little much more lighthearted. So, Aaron and I especially were kind of fans of it. Yeah. We're like, this would be kind of like, what do you think? Kind of, kind of running a game off this something. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be cool, but... And then... Once again, that faithful conversation evolved into a several-month-long planning process. Where then, I've, the fateful day came. I said, "I sat down like, okay, if I'm going to run this, what do we want in there? From the, what do we want in there? Anything you don't want to see? Anything you want to add?" Right. By the end of that night, we have decided what we wanted from the animated series, and also that we were going to go ahead and add a completely different uh, media to it, which, was, of course, Terminator Salvation had just come out. So I was requested to make Transformers the Animated Series with elements from the Terminator. <laughs> nice. Which, honestly, yeah, I know I know how that sounds, but it's weird. It's it's weird to actually try to think robots of... fighting robots. That's so retarded, Tom. Well, also in time travel, Skynet, uh, yes. blah, blah, John Connor, blah blah blah. Yeah. So, I I mean the whole idea of just trying to figuring out a way to mix those two together that doesn't suck. Yeah. That took that took another month. I see. Uh, of, you know, not constant work, but, you know, pretty dedicated work. And I think I'm finally on the verge of about ready to run that in Mutants and Masterminds, which the hardest was, okay, giant robots that aren't aren't being piloted. I need right. a system for that. Right. You know, one interesting thing is, you know, you mentioned all the players. They they wanted to be Transformers. And yeah. I, I actually asked them before, and okay, do you want me, do you want to just be Transformers, or do you want to also allow, like, non-Transformer characters? Uh-huh. They all actually decided, no, we all want to be Transformers. You see, the thing, for me, the Transformers really is about the human-robot interactions. Yeah, and, I, and that's actually one of the primary elements I, I, they wanted me to keep in there. Right, but, like, the, for me, I would actually, I would probably be tempted to run on Transformers game using monsters and other childish, childish things. Like, to have the kid and, you know, the robot mm-hmm. uh, and that their relationships. I don't know, I mean... I think I think it sounds like with every being a cool ass giant robot, I, I can understand the appeal, but I think you're kind of losing something. But what well, do I well, we shall see. I'm not a Transformers fan, really. I know so, you're not. I know. So I just remember the original cartoons and my having the original Optimus Prime. Ew, well, you were hardcore. I know I was back in the day. 
So, but yeah, I, I it could it could go very well because the last I, the last game I've kind of run on this premi- on this uh, system of creating it has worked mm. out really well. So, so what is the essence of a given setting for you? I mean, like for, when translating it to a game. Well, well, that, that depends from setting to setting, but I, I try. Obviously, I. Try, I mean, what do you look for? Okay, I look for among other things the big, the major players, right? You know, the main characters, main villains, and do I want and how closely do I want them to work with the players, or if in fact the players will be playing them, right? In some cases, so you actually have players stat out specific people from the the setting then, and I've done that. Uh, I've not, I haven't. That hasn't happened yet because they the, they they want to create their own characters, right? But there, I've actually I've asked that. Yeah. A few times. Um, also, the general I- idea or kind of theme, how like how gritty it is, if it's all about fighting, if it's about character interaction, and uh, there's more. But most important, I start with just how hardcore or how lighthearted do I have to make this? Mm. Is it going to be more funny and kind of joking around, or is it going to be, you know? Fate of the world's in our hands. I have scars all over my face. I'm a grim warrior kind of thing. I see. I see. Yeah, I actually ran a one-shot based on Escape from New York one time. Yeah? How was that? It went okay. Okay. But everyone wanted to be Snake Plissken. <laughs> did, you, did you actually let a player do that or have him be the NPC? Uh, I let him be an NPC. Right. Actually, I made them. They were gangs. They were members of the... Duke of New York's gang were told to hunt, you know, make sure he doesn't escape with the president. Oh, I see. I see. How did that work out? Violent. Uh, <laughs> they all get killed. Half of them got killed, and uh, Snake Plissken got away because he had the only guns on the island. <laughs> nice. Uh, that that actually would be pretty fun hunting hunting the most dangerous prey, Snake Plissken, yeah. with the with the only firearms. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, that's interesting. I think again. I think the biggest problem with any setting, though, are going to be the NPCs, like the set dressing, the items, the background. The, the well, unless the, the items, themes. unless the items particularly overbalancing, but well, that, but that just kind of falls into overbalanced items again. Again, that's easy. Take away special items and things like that, and or just don't let them have them in the first place. But um, you know, lightsabers aren't so overpowering, really. I mean, Not really. I mean, especially if you're a level one Jedi. Right. I think. I think the main problem, like, you know, if you look at Forgotten Realms, Forgotten Realms has some crappy NPCs in it. I mean, Drizzt, you know, boy, is he a Mary Sue, you know. Mm. Oh, two wielding scimitars. Yeah. Zaz Tom. Huh? The Lich. What? Zaz Tom. Uh, Zaz Tam or something. I, whatever. He's a bad guy, though. He's bad a guy? Lich. Yeah. Yeah. So. A- a- epic level Lich character. Okay. But people don't see, oh, that guy, that Lich, that's the thing about Or Elminster. Yeah, Elminster. That's the, those Drizzt, those are the prima donna Mary Sues of all time. Like, uh, Elminster, he polymorphs into monsters to have sex with them. Uh, this is canon, by the way. I think he turned into a woman to have sex with the goddess of magic or something. I don't know. I I, I, I read the Wikipedia article about him a few months ago, and then I read some forum threads. Or Halaster Black Cloak, the insane epic level wizard. Yeah. Okay, dude, I'm, I'm, if, I don't, if I know these and you don't, you obviously don't know as much as you think. I don't care because I'm just talking about the Mary Sues that, that are Drizzt and Elminster. And the problem is, I think, 
especially when you're dealing with any setting, is like, why don't the NPCs do it? Like, if there's a world-threatening problem or there's a big problem, why don't we get elements to do it? Why don't we get, you know, if he's not too busy banging a rust monster or... uh, All of very necessary, mind you. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Or Drizzt is out, you know, being the awesome badass who kills two guys, hundreds of orcs with his two scimitars and his panther thingy and blah, 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 blah. Why can't they do it? So... Has that come up in your games? I know, like, when I ran Forgotten Realms, I basically used it as a set dressing. So I ignore it all, all as much of that. Yeah, actually, in the case... I said in the middle of the wilderness, too. Yeah, especially with Forgotten Realms, we normally... The games never lasted long enough to really start to worry about those big players. Yeah. Because all the threats we were facing were low-level threats that... Well, I can see why you wouldn't bother with this one. Right, right, right. Like, oh, Horde of Marauding Orcs, great. Yeah, that's totally worth the most powerful mortal in the whole universe's time. <laughs> nice, nice. So, I could, but I could see it being a problem when they're getting close to level 20, or, you know, they're at level 20. Well, or having an epic plotline, even if you're level 1, if you're like, oh, we need to take this ring to Mount Doom, otherwise we're all... Well, the, I think there, actually, the things I've encountered, if you're running an epic game, often, like, Oh, yeah, these established epic characters are so stupid. I'm going to make my own epic level character. you know, Tom, when I mean epic, I don't necessarily mean, like, epic level. I just mean epic in the sense, like, you have a great quest to save the world. Well, what I mean is, like, a GM in that case often, like, well, screw the one, the established ones. I'm going to make my own NPCs. I see. My own major players. They're going to be way better than those. Do you do that? Uh, yes, actually. I've been known to do that. Well, not so much in D&D, because the the group... Well, in established settings, though. Yeah, like the Gargoyles, I do. I literally have used every major canon character in that series, but I've used them as mostly as, you know, adversary, you know, non-really threatening adversaries or allies or as- associates. Okay, that's cool. They, and they never steal the show from the players. That's, that's the most important thing to remember. Don't yeah. steal the show from the players. That's true. They well. Uh, Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader may be the stars of the silver screen, the stars of the. But it's like, but we are the stars of this eight basement mil- of, are, this eight, of this eight millimeter movie. Well, I was gonna say your basement, but you know. All right, well, okay, well, so it was silver screen. I was going, okay, and then eight millimeter pornographic movie over here. <laughs> you had to go there, Tom. You I totally go. Blue. I stepped there. Yeah, you did. Uh, and a stand by that trip. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think that's a, that. That's the last takeaway we should have for that is the um, your stars are the your players are the stars of this particular production, mm-hmm. and uh, don't let the uh, NPCs, even if they are legendary icons of the screen and book and all that other stuff, mm-hmm. uh, take over. They're only there to make it more awesome for your players. Yeah, like so when you do encounter them, it's cool, not great what do we spoke right, we'll just sit back here while you fix it have fun <laughs> okay uh well i think that about kind of some i think it does yeah i think it does yeah, i think it does so we uh will have a tom has a litter i do uh, we have some favorite threads and some shout outs and an anecdote from the listener email and uh i'll have another dozen cinnabar no i don't have any more cinnabar characters he will though i will for the next episode We'll see what we roll up next. Will it be a winged warrior, an alchemist, or an aquarium? Or an Amazon? Or a cave Ooh. demon. Cave demon, yeah. I could be a cave yeah. demon. All so, right. stay tuned. As any regular listener to this show will no doubt understand, I tend to admit very unflattering things about myself. Sometimes I wonder why I do this. 
Maybe it's because I need the attention. Like Britney Spears sitting in that salon chair, muttering to herself while shaving her own head, maybe I need people to notice me. It wouldn't be hard for some to imagine me sitting in my recliner, wearing the Street Sharks t-shirt I had in middle school, and the rubber Velociraptor gloves that came with the costume set I bought in 1998, drinking a Diet Cherry Pepsi that tasted of warm, flat soda and sadness, listening to the soothing sounds of Rammstein as I cried myself to sleep, thinking, Am I too not a man? In an effort to steer my ever-deflating ego away from total loss, I will talk about something simply entertaining. Entertaining and laughable, like the government actually referring to nuclear radiation and things called sunshine units. In this case, the topic will be role-playing in an MMO. To begin with, role-playing and MMOs do not belong together. Like magnets with opposite polarities. Like oil and water. Like Sunny Delight and VX. So when playing Star Wars Galaxies, coming across the RP tag that could be put above your character to indicate that you wish to roleplay caused me to emit a very childlike Christmassy giggle. I applied the tag, started playing, and waited for the hilarity. I didn't have to wait long. In a previous letter, you may remember I talked about my Trandoshan entertainer. This story involves my alternate character, a Mon Calamari shipbuilder and architect. So there I was on Talus, one of the moons of Corellia, my 51st level artisan mining for minerals outside the city of Nishal. I was mining the long way for XP because XP is more important than family, friends, food, and air. Without warning, a 90th level commando flies up on a sleek speeder bike wearing a full set of Mandalorian armor wielding a lava cannon. It was like Goliath versus, well, a fish guy panning for minerals. That would be surreal enough, but in addition to his icon indicating he was a member of the Imperial faction, he too had the RP tag. Oh, let the fun begin. He marched right up to me and said, and I quote, All right, Fishman, by the decree of the Emperor, you will hand over all your mind resources to me now. I was stunned. Is this all the Imperials had to do? Shake down people for resources? Then I thought back to the movies and remembered, oh yeah, they do do that. So I responded, I'm sorry, but the Mon Calamari laws of compensation prevent me from doing so. He said, what did you say, worm? I replied, according to my people's custom, those who are compensating for small penises with large guns can't be given gifts. Judging by that huge cannon, I would need a tunneling electron microscope to see your penis. Sounded like a perfectly reasoned, well-RP'd response to me. He disagreed. Apparently, he got on Ventrilo and called in the rest of his clan. Soon, I had five 90th-level commandos and six 90th-level dark Jedi surrounding me, showering me with threats and demands for money and resources. Interestingly enough, they were also showering me with dueling requests. It was then that the true impotence of this gang of combat demigods came obvious. Since I was not in a PvP area, they couldn't just attack me. It's like the guards at a supermax prison being unable to touch or harm the prisoners in any way. I let them yell for a few minutes before I cut in with the following. My imperial friends, I apologize. I cannot complete the rituals of extortion. We have enough present for the circle jerk part, but I do not have any lilac-scented candles. Then I walked away. I quit Galaxy soon after, but I will always have the memories. Also... Mon Calamari Circle Jerk. All right, Tom, that was, well... You have the image in your head, don't you? Yeah, not really, but just, actually, I'm proud of you for sassing those RPers who took things too seriously. Yeah, I mean, seriously, like shaking down one guy half their level for six of them that's, that they can't even fire upon. Yeah, that's, that's pretty pretty retarded. 
Yeah, well, that's why I retar- That's why I responded in See, a kind of I, back in the day. You know, I, back yeah. in my day, boy, I had a World of Warcraft character paladin named Grignor, who was on a wow. PvP RP server. And I was a paladin, and that was actually pretty hard to do because they're kind of like I, I've never played that. Yeah, well, if people who played World of Warcraft know, like that was my only character in there, and I, I quit before the the new expansion came out, so that's why I stuck at level sixty eight. Uh, but yeah, I remember getting PvP'd all the time. But you see, the paladins have one ability where they can have a divine shield, where they're basically invulnerable for about a minute or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they, there's the ability called hearth, where you can basically teleport back home. So if they attack me, I could just like bubble and then hearth. You're mm-hmm. like, ah, fuck you, you can't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> and they got so pissed when they did when I did that. It's like, God damn it, you idiot, you you blah blah blah, you can't do this. I will find you. Yeah. And, but I got PvP. But, uh, just take comfort. And paladins from, suck at PvP and on their own, like they can't kill anything on it. They're, 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 take they're, comfort in the fact they were probably really fat guys <laughs> sitting at home doing that. Exactly. Yeah. And you are sleek and thin. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, we have some uh, favorite threads uh, I want to mention. I'm, our... I'll just mention my one, yeah. which is actually kind of the inspiration for this episode idea. Yes. Which is the one I believe entitled "Rehabilitating a GM and Why I Hate Knights of the Old Republic." <laughs> I this I like it. It's not a very long thread, but I, I like it so much because it totally resounds with experiences I've had. Yeah, and especially when the part where it's revealed he was the GM was running the game solely off the video game. Yeah, yeah, that's actually my favorite part was the fact that he, he described how the GM would throw literally wave after wave of the same group of enemies at the players in an effort to level them up. Like yeah. she thought it was you had to grind in a tabletop game, not realizing that you know you're you have these things called pencils with erasers, so you could just rate erase your you know level twelve. Well, unless you're hardcore and you use and, a pen, and well, like I do, but still you could, <laughs> yeah, you're hardcore. Yeah, I could just mark out twelve and put in twenty, and oh god, my imaginary Jedi is suddenly eight levels higher, and if everyone else agree at the table agrees to it, it's not really cheating. Exactly. Exactly. So mm-hmm. uh, that is a good thread. So yeah. I only have two. Um, one is called Project 15. It was just started today and or just the other day. And it's about a guy once wanting to publish his own game and wanting to get some advice about that. And basically I just lay down some... The knowledge. The you, drop, knowledge. you drop some knowledge on Some him. knowledge on what you have to do to get your own game published, like RPG published. Uh, RPG pro- published and actually try and make some money. And like... Correct some misconceptions about copyright law that uh, uh, someone had and things like that. So if you're interested in publishing your own game, you might want to check that out. Ross is a fountain of knowledge. Yeah, I've actually got – it's actually a really big topic and I couldn't write it all in a couple of forum posts. It's like ridiculous. So uh, if you are curious about starting your own ga- – writing your own game, getting it published, feel free to ask specific questions. I'll yeah. well, come part. over here pay 20 bucks and you can rub Ross's head for luck. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Okay. That that left me. That's that. That's actually a good segue to my next thread, the creepy thread of doom. I started (laughs) this thread uh, the other day, and it's uh, the rules are simple: post a creepy image or link or thread or story or something. Ah, our own version of the something awful thread. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I started with a very interesting story called Candle Cove, uh, which is part of a creepy pasta, which is good. Do you know the? Do you know what copy pasta is? Does that? No. I do not. Know. Okay, it's a four chan term, and I know you're like, oh, four chan. But basically, it's it's a it's a 
um, deconstruction of copy paste. You know, like if you co- find something interesting on the internet, you copy it and you paste it into another thread, and that that's become copy pasta. And then creepy pasta are the scary stories that people tell on the internets uh, that have no author, and there's a whole bunch of them out there. So if you do a search for creepy pasta, you find all kinds of fun stuff. So yeah, awesome. So. That's it. It just started. Uh, there's not a whole lot there, but it, it's it will good. grow to immensity. Yes. So uh, when we start, we shout outs. Shout outs. Yes. Uh, uh, first, I will, go, I will go first. Okay, fine. Go first. I will. Fine. My first one is actually a book I picked up. Yeah. Uh, by Lewis Black called "Me of Little Faith." He's he's hyped the crap out of it, so I'm sure many of you have heard of it. Yes. It's just good, vintage Lewis Black, funny most of the time, serious at some points, but more importantly, really funny. Yes. Okay. That's cool. Um, Thank you for, you know, just moving right along there, Ross. (laughs) I might have had something else to say. Oh, well, do you have something else? No, but I'm just simply quoting, I'm simply commenting on it. Oh, okay. First, I would would like to mention Page to Screen. It's a TV show that was on Basic Cable. I think Bravo. I'm not even sure. I don't even know if they showed it anymore, and I don't know if you can get it on DVD. But it's a book, it's a TV series about adapting uh, novels into, or books into movies. Mm. And talking about the, the challenges of adaptation. And the reason I bring it up is when you're trying to write your own game or run your own game in an established setting, you're basically adapting it, adapting it from, you know, book or movie or whatever to a tabletop game, game yeah. which is a different media and a different genre and different conventions. So uh, it's it, it, a lot of different challenges there. Like what's important in bringing this 600 page novel to a 90 minute movie. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, what's your next one? Uh, my other one is another book. Yes. That I picked up from the bargain bin at, at Vintage, not Vintage Stock, Meta Games. I'm sorry, I nearly plugged the wrong place. Yes, but yes. Yeah. Yes. Meta Games. I picked up Battle Dragons from Spartacus Publishing, which is essentially such a perfect book for me. Which is just you're playing dragons that fight and have armies if you want. Oh, and you anyone who the cover has a picture of a dragon totally breathing fire and like on some I, other dragon. I know. And it's like, uh, yeah, a 90 image comic, heavy metal album cover kind of oh, thing. Oh, yeah. 1980. Uh, I got a Thundercats ripoff logo there. Yeah, I totally do. Yeah. It is. Anyone who knows that I like to play monstrous characters, <gasps> I know. I'm shocked. This is perfect for me because that's all they got. Yep. And that's beautiful. It's just. Of course, I would give a shout out to the world of Cinnabar, but I've already mentioned it. It's just so well, amazing. Well, how I, you, you it, can't it, sing its praises enough. I know, but it's like the fine wine. You don't want to drink it all at once. You want to savor it. It's like the fine wine. That's horrible. D- yeah, it? don't do that. Voice. I know. I'm I'm a horrible, horrible person. Or even worse, we'll make you do it in a later <laughs> game. Much like we you, we keep you keep having to play the goblin. Um. Finally, I would like to mention. Uh, just Freeman's Mind. It's this uh, YouTube series. It's a basically it's a playthrough of Half Life One, and the only thing is there's a guy narrating. He sounds a little like Ray Romano, but he's like, man, I hope there's Doritos in the vending machine. I like to call them up, but like, hey, there's no vending, there's no chips in this machine, and also we're being attacked by aliens. <laughs> <laughs> And it just makes fun of all the like the video game logic of Half Life One. It's like, oh, wh- who put the ele- who put the ladder on the elevator shaft on the other side of the door? It's like <laughs> you put the ladder there so you could work on the elevator, but how are you going to get to it? God. 
It's just very, very retarded and funny. Well, often funny is retarded. Yes, exactly. Fart jokes are good. <laughs> so, I'd like to end this, our little show, with a little anecdote. It's not a little show. Yes, it's a great, big, awesome, incredible show. We, well, we just mentioned Cinnabar. That graduated it to a whole new level. It's the ultimate in transgenre gaming. I'm going to bring Well it. said. Yes, well exactly. Said. Over 50 character classes. Mwah, magnifique. One of them is Biosynthia Cyborg. I don't know what. Wait, sin- can, are there mutants? Yes, I was. I made a mutant. I know, he rolled I, epilepsy. I, I, just to make, I just wanted to make sure that there are mutants. Another super. Another mutant power is schizophrenia. That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? All right. Well, anyways, we got an anecdote. Stu Venable, uh, angryfolks.com, uh, writes in, Hi, guys. I just discovered the show a week ago as I started the gaming itch again, getting the gaming itch again. I especially like your anecdotes and wanted to relate my own. I ran a GURPS fantasy campaign from the mid-80s to the mid-90s. While there were, uh, was a lot of player turnover during the, those 10 years, the campaign world, the main bad guys, etc., remained consistent. During the course of this campaign, I had several incidents of PC-on-PC PC assassinations. Oh. This is uh, always a good topic. First was probably within the first year or two of the campaign. I received a call from one of the better players saying, I just wanted to let you know, tomorrow I'm going to kill Timmy's mage. Uh, Not Timmy. Yeah. His tone was very solemn. So uh, maybe I should say, I wanted to let you know, tomorrow I am going to kill Timmy's mage. That was terrible. Was that solemn? No. Yeah. Well... I'll just give it up to him. He was a good role player who had been pushed to the edge and felt compelled to engage in the metagaming to improve the campaign. Timmy, you see, was very adept at squeaking out, squeezing out a great deal of bang out of every character point. He was also very good at finding and exploiting broken rules, especially with regards to spells. Ah, yeah. So, I asked the would-be assassin why. He said, his character annoys the shit out of me. He's a walking rules rape. Yeah, he is, I agreed. Make sure you roll well. In the next session, Timmy's character was stabbed in the back by a female barbarian immediately after a particularly bloody encounter. In the end, it did little to stop his min-maxing, maximizing, but his exploits of broken rules calmed down a bit. There you go. See? uh, Therapy through violence. It's death therapy. Exactly. Or as the Joker said in the uh, Tim Burton Batman movie, I've been dead once before. It's very liberating. You should think (laughs) of it as therapy. (laughs) Uh, A year or so later, a similar situation happened with a different player. We call him Bjorn. Bjorn was a bit of a rules twinker, not as bad as Timmy, but also not as good at it. Uh, Another player whose character had recently died decided to design a halfling fighter assassin to kill Bjorn's character, Grudge Killers. Uh, Love it. Not only did he kill him, but he delimbed him first. Bjorn's new character, quite remarkably, was the brother of his previous character. As if that wasn't enough, his character also had the disadvantage of intolerance to halflings, because, you know, he wanted the fight. He was about to pick with a... he was about to pick to be good role-playing. Bjorn then sent about to avenge his character's brother's death, or attempted to. Turns out the player of the Halfling Assassin was a really good rules twinker. <laughs> By the time they both agreed to an armistice, I think there were three or four of Bjorn's PCs, all related, represented as Notch on the Halfling's hit hilt. The player of the Halfling, to his credit, then threw his Halfling into an unwin- unwinnable and ultimately fatal fight. He then made a less twinky character. Ah, uh, so you see compromise. Compromise. That's the heart of it. And uh, PC negotiations through multiple player on player violence. I, th- I, I, I yeah. that's, that's don't admirable. talk about it. Yeah, exactly. I, I wanna... talk with talk with your weapon. 
I want to run a game like that where people run through characters like tissue paper and PC on PC violence is rampant and encouraged. And, and, and we, we work for a more powerful henchman who kills us when we fail. Yeah. So basically, paranoia. Like, well, or that one movie you had me watch. Uh, oh yes, Deadly Prey. That actually, uh, I'll, I'll put a link to it in our. That should be our last shout out. I'll, I'll put them in. Well, we'll we'll save that for another episode because that's too good. You're to, right. You're we, right. We you're shouldn't. Right. We, Deadly Prey, folks. Deadly Prey. Just so. want to say that again. Deadly Prey. All right. This has been episode thirty-three. Sightseeing tours. Roleplaying public radio. I'm Ross Payton. I'm Tom Church. Good night. <laughs>